Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ashley. And I'm Katie. And today is part three of a three-part series centered around an empowering message that is anti-diet culture, basically anti the messaging that you're getting right before summer. We wanted to do the opposite. There are a lot of things that we do differently at Plant Center Nutrition. And today we're going to highlight the third thing that is like sort of at the core of Plant Center Nutrition. And we're going to talk about why we don't use the terms good or bad or even junk food. And we even try to stay away from the word healthy in our approach. And why do we do that, Katie? I think language is really important. And when you're talking about classifying these foods and labeling foods, you really can fall into a trap of changing how you view these things. And so when you're talking about someone like myself, when I have a really dysfunctional relationship with food, classifying these food as good or bad really affected how I saw those foods. So if you think about what diet culture and kind of what their definition of good and bad is, the bad foods, if I eat what's a bad food. So like a brownie or a donut or a piece of cake, let's say I had one of those pieces of food. And now therefore, if those foods are bad, I ate them. Therefore, now I am bad for some reason. I have no willpower. I am lazy. You know, I don't care about myself, those types of things. And then on the other hand, you could see it as like, Ooh, it's the bad food. It's like that forbidden fruit. And so if you put this restriction on it in our human brains, if someone tells us we can't have something that automatically makes us crave it more on that same token, then you call a food, like the good food. You're like, "Mm, it's not the bad food. I don't want the good food. I want the bad stuff. (laughs) And so it really is a good example of how language is important and how a dysfunctional language can lead to kind of a dysfunctional relationship viewing these different foods. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so true. And that's why we don't use those terms, why we try to avoid those terms, why we teach our clients to not use those terms. Exactly what Katie was just saying, that if we're eating this quote, bad food, this quote, bad food from the diet culture perspective, then does that mean that I'm a bad person for eating that food or that Katie is a bad person for eating that food? So food does not have any morality tied to it whatsoever. Food is not inherently good or bad. And that's why we try not to use those words because it elevates a person if they eat this quote, good food. And then it is shameful, or maybe it places this guilt on another person who eats this quote, bad food. I, Katie, I had a client literally just this morning who she was over at a friend's house. They were ordering takeout and the, like the husband ended up saying like something about, Oh, I don't think I'm gonna get this because it's bad. And she was literally like, no food is not inherently bad. Food does not have any morality tied to it. She's like, Ashley, I just kind of like snapped a little bit, but like in a, in a good way. 
she's like, stop labeling food as good or bad. And I just wanted to be like, yes, go girl, go. Like it was an incredible, because she, we've been working together for over a year and she has put so much work and time and energy into this. And so when she hears something like that, she's at a point now where she, she'll say something to that person. If she hears someone labeling something as good or bad, because she doesn't stand for that anymore, where she once did. And she once struggled even saying something. She's at a place now where she's like, I don't give a, I'm just going to say, you know, say what I want to say, which I think is really cool because that is just a testament to the time and energy that she has put forth into her own relationship with food in removing these words from her vocabulary when it comes to describing food. And I love that you're just like creating like a little army that is just, we're slowly <laughs> going to take over. I want that to be a more normalized practice. And I've noticed it, especially in my group of like girlfriends, my close girlfriends, I've noticed how we talk about food and it is so ingrained in us at an early age that it almost becomes like that is fact that food and is good and bad. It's not even superficial slang. It's like, it's fat. And then when I've really noticed it is with my nieces, when my sisters and I are talking about maybe our bodies or how we eat or the shame involved around eating certain foods, sometimes it's like, I don't want that anywhere close to her ears. I really like that shift that we're noticing as adult women is like, okay, I really need to be careful about how I'm saying it, not just for myself, but for future generations. And so that they don't have to go through the same things that all of us went through. If I'm at a wedding, I want to enjoy a piece of cake and not punish myself for the next two weeks about it. Right. That reminded me with you talking about little ears that are listening to our conversations. It reminds me of a client who grew up in a household where dieting was a big part of her care, her caretaker, which was her mother, her mom's life. It was all about dieting, trying the latest fad diet. And she remembers that very heavily growing up and she has two little girls now. And she was like, Ashley, I don't want to repeat the same behaviors. I do not want my girls growing up seeing that type of behavior, which I thought was such a powerful thing to say, to take note of, and to want to put a stop to that, basically a stop to the history. Cause her mom, her mom's mom also dieted to put a stop to that generational trauma or whatever you want to call it, um, that had gone on for, for generations, which I thought was really, really precious because, and I even saw this messaging. It was around the holidays. I saw a couple of memes going around. I don't know if meme means joke, but it was basically like these, um, these graphics saying, you know, when you do get together for the holidays, be careful of what you're saying, not just for yourself, but there are little ears that are listening when it comes to you all sitting around the dining room table, you know, having this beautiful feast and maybe saying some things that you quote, shouldn't about food. Your relationship with food is what is most important because just like my client who wants to put a stop to all the dieting that had gone on in her family, that's also what we're trying to do here is put a stop to this constant labeling of food as it's either good or it's bad. And we're going to talk about, okay, well, Ashley, Katie, if we're not using those terms and what the heck do I call a, a brownie or what do I call a donut, you know, type thing. So we'll talk about that towards the end words that you can use that are a bit more 
uh, quote appropriate, especially in the intuitive eating world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes to, and kind of speaks to what we've been talking about in our other two episodes is that health doesn't equal, or it's not just about what food you do or do not eat. So we're not equating good foods to healthy and bad foods to unhealthy. I think, again, that language is really important because it affects our thought patterns and those thought patterns are what leads to our decision-making. And of course, like, are there more nutrient dense foods than others? Of course there are. But at the same time, our bodies are going to extract what they need from whatever it is we're eating. So whether we're eating a bowl of of cereal or whether we're eating this like kale, you know, really nutrient dense kale salad, our body's going to extract what it needs when it's that food is going through the digestive process. So if, even if we just kind of look at the facts versus assigning morality to food, if we just look at the facts of like, Food is very, this is very, very simplistically food is energy and your body obviously needs energy to survive. So when you take in that energy, it's going to use what it needs and it's going to put away what it doesn't or excrete what it doesn't need either. And that can be helpful sometimes, especially if this is a struggle for you to look at, look at it in like that, that, that form, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Can we make it more complicated? Of course, that's what we do, but with that simple understanding that food is a form of energy. So that that's a big part of intuitive eating, right? Is noticing how you feel when you eat certain foods and just understanding that like, Hey, I, I need food to survive. I need food for my brain to function, to be able to go to work, to take care of my loved ones, whatever that is. Then you can make choices that you feel good about that are aligned with you versus what we kind of talked about in the beginning, where you're making choices out of restriction or because you should, or shouldn't, or because, well, this food is quote better than that. food, Therefore I should eat this food. Uh, we're, we're trying to get away from that and really rely on your body's intuition. So in using those terms that we just talked about in combination with intuitive eating, it can help retrain your brain to do what Katie, cause you had done a little bit of research here and you put it together so beautifully. So I love the intuitive eating approach and we'll link our two favorite intuitive eating books as resources that we recommend a lot. Emotion is involved when we're talking about the rituals of eating. So, you know, there's some nostalgia involved. You're like, oh, my grandma used to make this, or I always love to eat this at Thanksgiving. And those emotions are prevalent when it comes to food. But what we want to take is like, take the emotion that we impose or assign on these different foods and really look at the ritual as what is going to make me actually feel good and how can I appreciate this ritual as opposed to something that I just have to either get through or it's something that I'm doing as a coping mechanism. So I love the intuitive eating approach because for example, like Ashley said, we want to kind of retrain our brain to make sure we're using all the senses. So we're using our eyes, we're using our ears, like listening to it sizzle as we cook it, say eat the rainbow. So enjoy taking a moment to enjoy all those colors that those vegetables can provide and making decisions based on how foods make us feel as opposed to 
what foods someone's telling us to eat because we should. I always use Brussels sprouts as like a nice example. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Brussels sprouts, they, they're so nutritious and they have fiber and blah, blah, blah. And I love the heck out of Brussels sprouts. But there's some people it's like, Brussels sprouts, no way, Jose. And they like, you're, they're like, oh my gosh, I guess I have to have Brussels sprouts if I'm going to be like a healthy vegan. And it's like, you don't have to eat Brussels sprouts, you know? You don't have to eat kale if you don't want to. If like the bitterness makes you, makes your stomach turn, by all means, don't do it. We want you to choose foods that make you feel good that you actually can enjoy. When I started my journey, it's about tuning out the noise and paying attention to what actually does make you feel good. And there's a little bit of trial and error involved. If you're used to the standard American diet, maybe you've never tried a Brussels sprout before. Try it. Add some maple syrup and sriracha and roast it in the oven and you will, (laughs) it will blow your mind. We don't want to say like, okay, you can't have a brownie because you shouldn't because that's a bad food. We also don't want you to be restrictive and like, okay, kale is like a superfood. So you have to have that three meals a day, you know, we, we don't want to impose that uh, restriction. So I love an intuitive eating mindset because it helps you focus on making decisions and kind of cultivating what you want on your plate with what makes you feel good and what you think tastes good. Yep, absolutely. Right. Because if we're putting like, let's say we're putting uh, like this again, quote, bad food on a pedestal, it's off limits. We shouldn't have it or only on special occasions. And then there's all this other food, you know, down here. That's like, eh, whatever that food that's on the pedestal, this like off limits food, this food, that's not part of your quote diet or whatever it is, or that's bad quote, bad. (laughs) We we crave it. Like Katie said in the beginning, like all of a sudden that food is like at the forefront of our mind. It's like, okay, if I'm eating this certain way, I have to, you know, eat with these certain rules, these foods that are outside my box or outside of these rules are the foods that I'm actually craving or wanting because of it. So what we're trying to do is take those foods that are on a pedestal and bring them down to earth with all these other foods so that the desire to eat these foods is again, all on the same level playing field. And we can choose these foods based off what it is that we want, how it makes us feel, if it makes, if it brings us joy or not, not based on any rules or restrictions or diets or whatever it is. Right. It reminds me of actually a client that I'm still working with and Oreos were her like, you know, quote off limit, off limit food. Couldn't have them in the house. And we, worked through that. We got to a place because we don't want to live in a space where we can't bring food into our house because we feel out of control around it. And so the, we took a lot of steps to work up toward her bringing Oreos into the house, allowing her, giving herself unconditional permission to eat those Oreos. And it got to a point where now she's able to keep Oreos in the house to the point where they go stale. And she's like, oh shit, I got to throw these away because they've been in the house, you know, in the house so long. And again, that took a long time for us to get there, but that's the ultimate goal is to where if there are these foods that feel off limits or you feel out of control around, or maybe that you've deemed quote bad for a really long time that you can be around them and feel confident in your approach to those foods. You can trust yourself 
to be around those foods and to not feel out of control, because really it's not about control. It's not about self-control. It's not about willpower. It's not about any of that. It's all about you trusting yourself in those situations. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about another client who couldn't, she did not like going to parties because at parties, there would be a table full of chips and dip. And guess what? That was her quote off limits food or her pedestal food. And so we got to this point and and not only would she feel out of control around that food, she wouldn't even be able to pay attention to conversations going on because her eyes would keep going to the table that was right in front of her. She could not focus on the conversation. And so again, we want you to be able to live your life and not feel out of control around food. And a lot of these, a lot of this can can stem from this struggle, first of all, from diet culture, but also too, from just feeling like these foods are on a pedestal or that they're off limits or quote bad. And it takes time and energy to work up to the point where my client now can go to these parties and not be constantly looking at the food or the chips and dip or not feel out of control to have a a plate to feel satisfied and to move on. And the same with my other client who now she probably even right now has stale Oreos in her pantry because it's just, it's not a second thought. So I love the example of the chips at a party and like, it's so distracting putting them up on a pedestal like that. It gives food so much power where you can't even pay attention to what's going on in front of you because they're so tempting. And so by, by having them all on that same wavelength, really takes that power away and gives you that power. Having an empowered mindset is, is so important. And I think it also shows that this stuff is not easy and it is not going to, it's not something that can happen overnight. I mean, this is years of habit forming that we're trying to reprogram. So also remember to kind of give yourself grace as you try to make these changes, but but I think it's a good demonstration of how powerful that some of these foods uh, can be and that going to take some time to take that power back. And if you want, this is one of my favorite podcasts from Lucy, where she talks about food freedom and having that freedom around food and being able to have an empowered mindset around food. It's a really fantastic conversation. So she's a great resource. So we'll link those in the show notes so you can have access to those. But a couple of things she talks about that, that still stick with me uh, to this day are when you're faced with these kind of decisions, we think about our, our future self and what would they do? So let's say I'm at the end of my journey and, and it's three years down the road or something. And what would my future self, how would they act around the chips at the party? And we would want them to be like, oh, chips at a party, no big deal. I'll have a few and carry on my conversation. And those chips have no power over me. And so when you're faced with those decisions, instead of saying, okay, what should I do in this moment? Think about what that person three years from now, how would they act around those chips? One of the quote that really sticks with me for her is that she says, uh, success is not defined by saying no to a food. It's being able to choose it or say no to it from an empowered mindset. And I just, that gives me chills. I just love Mm -hmm. that quote because, you know, it's not just about having the willpower to say, no, I can't have that. 
It's being like, I choose not to have that because it doesn't align with what I want. It's not what I want in this moment. And it has no power over me. I just love that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I would highly recommend if that resonates with you, go down to the show notes and click on Lucy's episode, because there are a lot of just great nuggets of information in there related to food freedom, which is uh, part of what we're talking about here. And even to leave you with an example, and we'll also talk about what labels that we recommend using when it comes to foods is so donuts and bananas are two of my favorite foods. I love them both. So the idea here is to put bananas and donuts on a level playing field to give myself unconditional permission to eat those every single day. If I want to now more often than not, I'm going to choose the banana because banana to me still tastes really, really yummy. And it makes me feel good. It gives me energy. Now, occasionally I'm going to choose a donut because guess what? I I want the donut. It, it's going to also be really tasty. I might not feel as good afterwards, but I'm giving myself again to make a choice from an empowered mindset. Like Lucy talks about where I give myself permission to have either one isn't off limits. One isn't quote bad. One isn't quote good. They're both food. And I'm going to, again, make that choice from an empowered mindset and give myself the option to choose either whenever I want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Love it. Is that weird? Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about not using the terms quote bad things that words that you can use to describe these types of foods that diet culture deems as bad are words like fun foods or play foods. Food, basically you're using a descriptive word that is much more positive and much more exciting. It's fun, like fun foods versus using a term that might feel a little degrading or shameful. So if you're struggling with using the word bad or labeling food as quote bad, try replacing that with fun or try replacing that with play and see how that changes your view on that food. Yeah. And noticing how, and if you're using good and bad and really thinking about, okay, how is that affecting my choices and how I feel about those foods? And if you're noticing that effect, once you change them, are you feeling different about those same foods? Mindfulness is just about taking a breath and really thinking about these choices as opposed to kind of mindlessly choosing them out of convenience or because it's what we've always done or what we're, what we should do. It's really focusing on, okay, what do I want in this moment? What's best for me in this moment? Yep. To summarize too, one thing my client also said to me this morning from that conversation, the till takeout conversation was that she also said that the only bad food is food that is rotten. And I was like, yep, really it, you know, if food's rotten, yeah, you're probably not going to want to eat it. Or if you are allergic to something, you're also probably not going to want to eat it. So really those are the only foods that are quote off limits, which I think is also a really good reminder. (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. If you have any questions or if this is truly a struggle for you, please do not hesitate to reach out to either of us at plant centered nutrition or at plant centered Katie on Instagram, or even go over to our website and learn more about what it would look like to work together because we can help you work through these 
struggles, if they truly are a struggle for you, or if you're just like, Ashley, Katie, I am ready to stop labeling foods as good or bad. I'm ready to stop using the scale as my only form of measurement. And I'm ready to not look at weight loss as the only thing that is important in my life we're ready to take it to the next level. We are so excited for you. So please reach out if this, if any of these were a struggle for you, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And we just appreciate you and value you so much. Ah, so much. Love it. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.